I'm James. And I'm Brian. And this is Spamming Zero. Welcome to Spanning Zero. I'm one of your hosts, James Gilbert. Another one of our hosts is Brian Skiff, our CEO at Red Route. Super excited about this episode because I have one of the best characters in the customer experience space joining us today. You are not going to want to miss this. We are going to be talking about customer experience, but specifically why your customer experience is not exciting. Yeah, that's right. We're calling you out. All you people that are doing customer experience, we are calling you out right now. We're going to have Nate Brown join us. Yes, that's right. The Nate Brown, the CH champion back in 2014. He's going to be representing his belt. He is a CS, CX accelerator community creator, a student of customer experience, and the current senior director of CX at Arise. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Nate. So excited to have you. Brian, start us off, my friend. First question, Nate, to get us going. First of all, uh, so great to have met you and obviously excited for this chat today. First question, getting us started. One of my favorite questions to ask people in CX when I first meet them is, what is your CX love story? What is the moment that you fell in love with CX? Yeah, you know, it, it was, uh, I think it was talking to Jeff Toyster. <laughs> I think he was the catalyst of my love story. So I, I was struggling as a customer service director in, inside of a major enterprise organization. I was just hitting this internal friction point inside myself of we're solving the same remedial problems again and again. These customers are having to call us again and again with the same friction point, the same problem. Why, why do I have an entire team where, where they, they can only think about these, these handful of things? Why don't we go upstream and actually try to resolve this more intelligently and think about the customer relationship as, as a more macro level? The word I was looking for was customer experience. And Jeff Toyster, Annette Franz, uh, th those, those couple of folks and a few other mentors helped me find it in those moments. And once I found it, Oh, I, the, the love happened so quickly. All right, here's my icebreaker question. What's your favorite suit? Give me a color. Give me a design. What is it? <laughs> I do have an electronic reindeer suit that I especially love to bust out in, in the holiday season and, and wear to church because all the kids at church really love when I show up in my suit. So that's my favorite suit that I have. I do appreciate that you broke out the red for us today. I, yeah, right. I have to, I have to, this is definitely one of my favorites. Although I will say they call this suit, the red devil. And I, and I have a friend that calls me the CX devil. And I, I just think that that's not right. <laughs> so I'm going to start us off with the question on the topic that we're going to be talking about today. Cause I do think that this is a very, very edgy topic and I want us to give the audience an opportunity to be for lack of a better way of putting it, you're going to be put on spot today. Here we go. We have guys for like this idea of seamless experience, the idea of frictionless to now what's next. Yeah. Okay. I mean, customer effort score was introduced in 2011, right? So what I'm looking at my calendar to figure out the year it's, it's 2022. <laughs> so it's been a hot minute that we've been in the, the effort mentality, right? I, I still think that a lot of organizations need to be there. And thinking about seamless, frictionless experiences, especially when we think about digital experiences, because this isn't happening yet for a lot of organizations. So we got to, we got to shore that up. But if we think about what's next, let, let's hit that foundation point. Let, let's make it frictionless. And then what? Then let's make it good. <laughs> let's make it a little bit fun and exciting, right? I mean, we, we just keep thinking about 
how how we can make it clean and and that's great we need to start there but then then let's dream up how can we how can we add a special element in this that has the person coming out of the experience not not just feeling like they did what they needed to do but also smiling also feeling like they just had a really positive interaction with you that's the next level i like that a lot brian you're smiling anytime you get brian to smile you know you've got something why you smiling Brian? <laughs> well so james the first time that that you and i met you told me about you mentioned two things which go hand in hand one is the idea of being unconventional and the other which kind of is the second leg of it is the idea of the wow moments in the experiences that you're delivering to customers and i'm just sitting here and i'm tying those dots together and it's like wow it is not surprising that you guys have been great friends for a long time jade's a smart man that's my part <laughs> i learned from really smart people you know you gotta what you gotta do I, i'm curious you know when we think about fun fun is very broad because it's it's so unique to the individuality of all of us as individuals so when we think of a single touch point that is the most critical for a brand to have what is that touch point that is the most critical for it to be fun in your mind yeah i mean i think it's it let's start with first things first it's the marketing touch point it's the awareness touch point that matters the most. And I, I've got a couple marketers on the line, so they're, they're nodding their heads, but, but let me explain it. It James Dawkins. What's up? Uh, I got to be a little shout out to my man, James Dawkins. Uh, so when I had him, when I had him with me in Nashville and we did a CXPA webinar together, he, he was going into this brilliant context around how important expectations are in the work of CX. When, when we set clear expectations and, and manage them and deliver upon them and sometimes even over deliver then we're doing good. We're creating good experiences here. So much of the expectations that we create and design in the minds of our clients happen in the marketing area where we're introducing them to a promise. <laughs> we're saying world, here we are, we're a company. We're promising something that we're going to deliver for you. We're going to be the guide for you in a special way. You're the hero of this story to use a story brandism, but we are the guide and we can guide you in a unique way. So what, what is that expectation that we just set? And, and do we have the ability to actually deliver on that? Because so much of that truth is going to impact downstream how the customers feel about us. You know what's funny? Tell me. I, I, I think about this idea, like Brian brought up the wow moment thing. Uh, I don't know if I can claim that as my own. I don't know. Maybe I can. No. It, <laughs> it, it is something that I just like truly believe in, right? Like you have an opportunity as marketers to create a really good first impression with yeah. your brand. That's your job. Right. And what's so fascinating to me, what I find really funny about what you said is there's so many companies out there that have a brand promise and none of them deliver on it. Few. Yeah. Very few. Right. What, what I, what I meant by none of them is like, none of them are thinking about creating a brand promise so that they can actually deliver on it. You have all these like early stage startups that are also doing the same thing. They're creating these yeah. brand promises and then, and it has nothing to do with how actually how they can measure the outcome for a customer. Brian, we, we've been going through this right now, right? Like. We might be getting ready to maybe do some new things at this organization. And a brand promise is one of them. And what, what have we been talking about? It's got to be measurable. It's got to be something that you can tie tangible feedback and outcomes back to the customer. And I think this is a fundamental thing that businesses need to do more of is reinvent that brand promise so that it can be something that your team can celebrate delivering to the customer experience. There, there's a classic. HBR exercise called the company identity matrix came out in the nineties. And it, it's still one of the most brilliant marketing slash CX exercises that we can do because it depicts so well, this brilliant overlap that happens organically in good companies. You have the, you have the core, which is your competencies, 
you, you've got your, your culture, the unique attributes that made you go into business in the first place. Then, then you step up to the next level. That's where you start to define your personality, your brand voice, the expression of who you are. And then at that top layer, okay, we're ready to go out to the world and position ourselves to a unique group of customers that belong to us because we can serve them really well. Who is that group of customers? How can we leverage our culture and our competencies and our brand core and our voice together to make a remarkable difference in these communities and improve the lives of this group of customers? And your ability to do that well consistently and measure that, that that's where these things come together. You've made a promise and you delivered on it. Totally agree. Brad, yeah, you're smiling. I think, yeah, I got the smile going again. Um, it, it's interesting because I feel like, right, you start with the brand promise and then the next step from there is, right, you talk about those first touch points, right? And, and marketing really being the people that are delivering those first touch points. Um, and those experiences, right, right in a, in, a, in a lot, right, there are a lot of great marketing teams that are out there and a lot of good first touch experiences at the top of that buying journey. And then you talk about like fulfilling the brand promise right? When, when the rubber meets the road and somebody purchases the product and, uh, and they experience the bottom of the funnel, right? Part of it is obviously, right, does the product match what you are selling? But the other piece of it is, what is the experience that you're delivering to the people that have bought your product? Uh, not to like spiral too much into a rabbit hole, but like, I think like Verizon or one of these like massive uh, like phone companies right now, is doing a whole like TV ad campaign where, right, like they've been out for the last however many years offering free phones to new customers that come in. And now they're doing this thing where they're saying everybody can get free phones for some amount of time and like starting to actually like realize that a lot of the people that they're talking to are already their customers and like treating them with some love, I guess. Uh, but it's almost like there's this just like, complete crumble that happens in a lot of organizations when you go from the marketing experience, which gets like a lot of love in a lot of organizations. And then the instant that somebody pays you, they swipe their credit card, they become a customer, they buy the product. Suddenly the experience degrades. Yeah. There's, there's the running joke in the telecom space and not to pick on any, any particular vendor, but it's the idea of, uh, I, 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 I'm, I've now been under the same internet package for 10 years. And I'm spending 320% more than I did when I first signed up. You know, it's, it's kind of that idea, that joke of, no, 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 that's, that's not going to fly anymore. I mean, <laughs> your, your brand promise is now what one customer says to another. It, it, you don't get to depict outward to the world what, what your brand promise is because they're not going to believe you. We blew it. We blew it in the 90s and in the early 2000s. <laughs> what they believe now is what actual customers are saying about you. Well, and for the record, people will go to great lengths to be unconventional so that they get the same rate as somebody. I, I, this is a true story. Let's get, let's go down this rabbit hole of the internet, right? I was a customer for a very long time of a particular internet provider. And I hated the fact that they would not give me a rate that a new customer would. So you know what I did? Me and my wife swapped. Every year we would cancel our service and we would sign up under the other person. I'm telling you, guys. It's, it's, it's gamified. They, you, you, if you are a brand listening to this, this podcast, they are gamifying you because you're not solving their problem. They will, it will happen. And it's just a matter of time before they figure out how to do it. So I want to try. If you're trying to suppress your customers and create a situation where you're kind of screwing them over a little bit, 
yeah, they're going to find a way around that. Yep. How, how big is the, the gap between the quality of experience that gets delivered by a company in a monopolized industry or like oligopolized industry versus the experience that gets delivered by a company in a competitive industry, right? Like even, even that just has such a yeah. big impact, right? We pick on the internet providers. That's something we talk about a lot. You know, there's, there are industries that feel like they're experience economy proof and the age of the customer doesn't impact them. It's hard to find that now. I mean, even the United States government has created a CX institution inside of their government system. That happened, you know, like a few months ago. So like if, if the, if the U S government can do it and, and you see these utilities companies that used to just be, you know, basic services, no competition, you know, this and that they, they are now thinking about experience design, realizing that competition is creeping in and that people have an option of where they get their energy now. And, and choices that never used to be available. They're having to think about how they serve these communities in, in new ways. So I, I don't think there's a, an industry out there or a vertical out there that is completely immune to having to think about the customer experience. Nate, we have talked at great lengths many times throughout our relationship together about the next item that I want to dive down into. And that's the idea of being proactive with it. So we have this fun element, right? And we want to make customer experience a lot more fun. There's a single touch point that marketing can provide to make it more fun. So now let's dive into how can you make fun experiences also proactive? Yeah. I mean, if we think about the customer service element of this, I mean, it's generally been in the customer service area that we're just waiting for volume to come in, <laughs> just waiting for that ticket to show up or that phone call to show up, whatever that is. But I mean, think about now and, and the, the CEO of Officium, Jonathan Troar, uh, it introduced me to this great idea. I mean, think about Iron Man and Jarvis. The fact that Jarvis is just there as as a, the as a great guide, as an, an incredibly effective uh, service vehicle <laughs> that can help Iron Man to overcome all these challenges that he's facing, and even identify challenges before Robert Downey Jr. did, and be able to see those, predict those, bring that information to him, and help him to circumnavigate these challenges. That that's what support is going to be in the future. A lot of it will be driven by whatever this becomes, <laughs> whether this is some wearable device or whatever, this will become our HUD and, and in it will have the ability to, to very intimately <laughs> see and understand and perceive and be proactive in serving our customers. Man, talk about nerding out. I mean, I'm a, I'm a massive nerd when it comes to that stuff. Like you just spoke to my heart, like Jarvis <laughs> and Iron Man. I have never, ever, ever, ever in my entire life ever heard anybody talk about how Jarvis could potentially be the future of customer experience and service. That is pretty awesome. When you I mean, don't, don't you think though? I mean, we're, and we're close. I feel like we're getting close. I mean, it's amazing how much of the experience is morphing into this device. We're, we're looking for this device to guide us in all these different interaction points with different brands. So, I mean, it's just a matter of time before that gets elevated even more. And these brands can almost see through our eyes and help us to understand the world around us and, and proactively serve us as the guide. I, uh, I'm excited about the future of customer experience for sure. Yeah. If it turns into Jarvis, holy smokes, I'm going to be blown away. Yeah. And think about the voice of customer element of that. I mean, if, if we're looking through our customer's eyes and seeing this and understanding this, we're not going to wait for the customer to fill out a survey to understand what their experience was. We were there. We experienced it with them. And our ability to capture that interaction and the critical elements of that interaction and to be able to measure customer sentiment out of that or whatever 
you know, the, the metric of the day is at that time. And right now I feel like customer sentiment is taking the CX world by storm because it's so easy to get it and to automate text or video or, or words <laughs> over a recorded call, whatever it is, you can absorb that interaction so effectively and measure it very well and compare you to others, compare you to you across different touch points. And you can really understand how a customer feels about its interactions with you and how those interactions are impacting their loyalty towards your brand. It, it's a new era for CX already. Completely agree. I got a few more questions I can, I can weave in here. Let's do it. But Brian, what's on your mind right now? I was just, I was thinking about as you were, as you were talking there and you outlined this like picture of the future and then the, where my head goes, it's like, okay, like what are the steps that need to happen in order to get there? And you bring up the like sentiment scores uh, and like being able to relatively easily at this point, access that data ever, like my mind was going in eight different data direction, uh, which for me goes to like, one of the things that I like to say a lot is CEOs take time to talk to customers because they find it to be like that valuable that it's worth them taking the time to do it. And your CX team, your, your support team, that's all they do all day, every day. Uh, so when I start to see, like, I've seen some examples where CX is getting rolled in with like customer intelligence. That's like a super interesting sort of model to me. And I think that yeah. right, you're talking about the data piece and how that drives it. And so I just think that there's like, there's so, I mean, we got what, a couple minutes left in this, in this podcast, but like, there's a whole world in the data. And I agree with the direction that you're talking about where the data just becomes such a big part of delivering that next level experience, those, those fun moments, those wow moments, uh, and the ease, like all of it. So that, that's where my, Ami, you're, you're hitting into something really important there, Brian. And I love, I love your mentality as a CEO in this and how excited you are about this customer centricity conversation. It's awesome to see that, uh, that there needs to be many more CEOs like you, uh, cause, cause it is rare. You, you are special in this regard, but, but people ask me all the time, like, where, where should I embed a CX department or a CX leader or a CX team? And, and I'm just like, I don't, who cares? I don't care. Like <laughs> the, the job of the CX leader is to get everybody else to care about and do CX. I don't care where you put them. They're literally just going to infect those around them with, with the ability to take their function, their superpower, whether that's IT and they're in charge of digital experience, whether that's HR and they're in charge of the employee experience whether that's support and they're trying to get more proactive. I don't care where you put CX. They need to infiltrate each of these different areas of your company and bring CX to them and help them to make it their own and to represent customer centricity in the way that only that team can. Only then can you bring that together and harmonize that into a larger CX strategy. The, the CX team can't do CX for your organization. They can't do it. You, you, gotta, you gotta have that CX team unlocking it across all these different areas. So do you think about it as like step number one, there needs to be the executive buy-in, which will deliver the budget and like the sign off on it. And then the next, like almost the next most important thing is that like a people evangelistic sort of ability internally, and then actually like orchestrating those, right. All of those changes across the customer journey, like do, is, is that almost like the last step of the puzzle and in some ways almost like the easiest piece of the puzzle if the two layers above that are in are, are like there yeah good point i mean i i think to to accelerate very quickly and summarize 
in my mind, how it, how it works generally. You do have an executive that, that galvanizes this as an urgent initiative. And to use a John Coderism with leading change, you have to have a sense of urgency around change of any kind or else people will not change. So something has to happen to light the fire inside the organization. Then you do ordain someone to bring that change to the organization and, and set up the guide rails, bring the strategy, bring the intelligence to the initiative. But they're not doing it. They're, they're simply bringing people together in the form of step three, a CX change coalition. You're bringing these key stakeholders together from these different representative departments. You're galvanizing them uh, under, under this one CX leader who they don't have to report to the CX leader, but they need to be guided by the CX leader who's helping your brand voice, helping the CX strategy to stay consistent. Because otherwise what will happen is everybody will take the idea of let's, let's do CX and go do it differently than one another. And what that looks like to your customer is this, <laughs> who they can't relate to you as a brand because you're all over the place with your CX. It doesn't make sense. You're not coming through with the brand promise and the brand voice. So that CX leader helps to coordinate and align that, but it's everybody else that needs to intrinsically be motivated. Yeah, this is the way we do this. This is how we gain market share. It's by serving people better. <laughs> and, and, then, and then you do start, as you said, Brian, you, it starts in the house. Uh, Denise Leone has that brilliant metaphor of you are giving a gift to your people first inside the company. That gift that you design for them, that employee experience, that's what they have to give to their customer. So you don't get to skip that step and start designing a customer experience without having that gift first that you've given to your own people. Otherwise, they've got nothing to give. It's just smoke and mirrors. This, this customer experience that you've designed without them getting to live something special first that represents your brand promise. So, I mean, th those are the steps. I love that. All right, we gotta, we gotta, but we got to ask one last question because we got to make every guest feel a little bit uncomfortable on this show. Okay. All right. <laughs> Tell us about a very unconventional experience that you've had that your wife or your kids or your family don't know about. <laughs> okay. I don't have to reach too far back. I was, I was in Vegas. <laughs> isn't, that where, isn't that where the story's always going to start? <laughs> And, and y'all, I'm a dork. Like I don't, I don't do, I don't do these things, but I was at the HDI conference and they somehow got like the entire nightclub at MGM Grand, like the really fancy nightclub, the kind that has like the queue in front. And there's some kind of social order that I do not understand at all where certain people go in and other people wait. Like, I have no idea how any of that works, but like we got to go in there. And the, and the blue man group is up there and they're like partying with us and they're like spraying stuff in the air and just being, you know, being all fun. Like the blue men are. And like, y'all, I, I went nuts in there. Like I, I literally went so crazy in there that I, I incapacitated myself with a leg cramp and I had to go like <laughs> sit down in a corner. Uh, but like, it was, it was so much fun, but like, I, I'll, I'll never go in a nightclub again, but like, it was just so fun. <laughs> I love it. Nate, thank you so much for joining us. It is my pleasure.